And we've got Chris Bush from Speckled Truth down in Texas uh, on tonight. We're real excited to to bring him on here in a few minutes and and talk about trout fishing. This guy's got has, has run a really cool community of uh, just trout gurus and, and knows a lot about trout fishing. He's caught a lot of big trout in a lot of different states. So he's got a ton of knowledge that transfers to to tons of different fisheries. So there's a lot to learn from him, and we're just excited to hear his story and and just uh, bring him on here in a minute and. And get talking about trout. Sorry, I'm a little out of breath because oh, yeah. I just sprinted into the other room to grab <laughs> grab the batteries. Um, but but yeah, we're just super excited about tonight. So yeah, dude, it's gonna be a great episode. We're giving giving a little bit of time for everybody to log on here. Episode um, sixteen. Billy, will you flip my monitor back on? And oh then, yeah, man. Gotcha. Um, yeah. So so uh, hoping y'all will enjoy this one. And then uh, we'll, we'll I'll, I'll throw it back to Billy and let him kind of go over the sponsors. Boom! There we go, man. Episode sixteen. Ooh. You all right, dude? You I'm catch good. your breath I'm over good. there. I'm good. I'm good. Judd's like, oh man, I didn't change the battery. My camera starts ripping around the studio. Also known as his house. So, <laughs> all right, man. Take a breath. Have a drink of smoothie, man. Have a drink of your smoothie, right there from the couch. So, appreciate everybody watching. We got Cliff Nagel on. Uh, we got Jason. Um, who else we got going on here? Mark Maynard. What's up? What's up, Kevin? Hey, Kevin. Good to see you again there, man. Forrest, uh, Forrest is becoming our biggest fan. Forrest, check your uh, instant message, man. I, I messaged you about that hoodie. Trying to get up with you, so make sure you hit me back on that. Uh, Pierre, Ryan, what's up, guys? Thank you so much for joining us. Roger, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we're going to be giving away another share uh, prize. I guess say prize. Can I say prize? I guess so. We're going to be giving another share prize away, and it's going to be from iStrike. I'm going to bring it up on the screen. All right, here we go. Boom, so, look at that All thing. kinds of different Texas uh, Texas eyes and some trout eyes, uh, some stickers there. So the guys over at um, iStrike are hooking us up to hook you up so you can register to win this by sharing this broadcast. And just go share. On your Facebook. Yeah, right now, just go hit the share button. That's the only way you're going to win. We're going to give it away at the end of the show. We'll bring that back up, I'm sure, again. Hey, my friend Brandon Graybill watching from Tennessee. What's up, man? Good to see you, Marge. Good to see you, Don. Also, good to see you there. Let us know where you're watching from, and go check out our online store. Do all that kind of stuff. Check out our podcast. Make sure you review it and listen to it. Um, and and review, wait, so review it, listen, and subscribe. That's the other thing. I always forget the subscribe thing. So anyway, let's go over sponsors super quick. We're in, we're in a hurry because we were a few minutes late, so we're going to wrap these sponsors up pretty fast. Uh, we got iStrike. Talk about them. We're going to be uh, doing a giveaway. And also for iStrike, if you go to their website, they listened to the episode last week and said, hey, you know what? We do want to give away an additional discount. Uh, so if you, do, if you type in Eastern Current 10, I believe it's all caps, uh, you can get a 10% off discount code um so just make sure you go to their website when you go buy your uh, jig heads and, and that's an additional 10 to the already you know yeah, up to 40 percent you 40. can get um buying Dude, in bulk so, so that's a, it's a really good deal to hook us up with that you guys asked about a code last week and look they you know dave called us said here's a code uh we got afco love their stuff judd wears it all the time uh Cito, if you're out there get stuck on the sandbar give them a call uh eastern angling judson over here book him Marshware. Marshware. Thorpe Creative. Hats, shirts. Smoothie King. Oh, we're eating smoothies tonight on the show. We're eating drinking them. them. <laughs> we got a banana boat again. 
Uh, yeah. Banana boat, yeah. Banana boat. That's all Sweet. I'll ever get. I'm just too afraid to try anything else. You'll see a couple new logos up here. We got CT Custom Lures. Uh, this is our buddy Cody is tying some flies, so check him out on uh, Instagram. And then KBT Realty, that's my new uh, journey, uh, is being in the real estate industry. So if you need to buy, sell, invest in property, let me know. And the offer still stands. First oh, person yeah. to buy a house with Billy, I'll give him a free fishing trip. First person, right. <laughs> I, I expect my phone to be ringing off the hook tonight. So those are our sponsors. Justin, what's going on on the water in North Carolina? Oh, man, it's uh, it, it's I'm, I, it's good. It's good out there. <laughs> I've been doing a lot of uh, fish are swimming, a lot of albacore fishing uh, the past few days, light tackle and, and mostly fly fishing. And that's fun. I do a lot of that this time of year and doing a decent amount of trout fishing this past week and. Um, it's, it's been a little, the bite's been a little slower for me this, this past week. We were on this warming trend after some cooler weather and, uh, I've had a little bit more trouble with the trout in the mornings than, than the prior weeks, but, uh, it's supposed to cool back off in the next couple of days. And I think that that's really going to be the final kicker for our, our fall trout fishing. So I just signed up for the, uh, the little trout tournament at intercoastal Ooh, angler. Yeah, man, that's a, that's a fun way. So anyone else it? who thinks that they can beat me in the fly division, oh. bring it. Cause I'm going to put you in the dirt. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. How many divisions do they have? There's a fly division, fly fishing division. Yeah. There's a, uh, a light tire. I mean, I guess you can use whatever tackle you want. There's, there's, you know, a, a true artificial division oh, gotcha. and then there's a lizard fish. Um, Ooh, little side I pot. Can, I could probably crush that one. That's I, the I'm one I'm going for. That. But there, I, I wanted to do a is lizard it, fish. Is it too on late to sign rock. up? Anybody, anybody from Intercoastal? No, you can you can sign up whenever, but oh, you can't anytime. come in with a fish and sign up then. Oh, so I can't come in with like a five pound right. lizard fish. Exactly. And like, hey, let me sign that paper. I'll just exactly. leave it in the car, sign up, and come back an hour later. They've had some big, uh, <laughs> some big trout at the fish market too. So if you're sneaky and get a line, you can swing by the fish market, <laughs> grab a couple big speckled trout, come weigh them in. Or after this episode, I'm confident that everyone's going to be catching a dirty thirty, which we're going to talk about what a dirty thirty is here in just a few minutes. Um, but man, also talking about tournaments, one of our local guys just went and crushed a tournament. Yeah, Jason Dale. We had him on the show with us yeah, talking redfish. Man. They, uh, it was the Redfish yep. World Series, and they came in second place. They almost, they almost snuck it out, but it was down in Louisiana, yeah. and uh, we're just, we're stoked that he, he did so well. So they got a paycheck out of that one, man. It was big awesome. paycheck. Yeah, it was awesome. So good, good job, Jason. If you guys didn't hear his episode of, of tournament fishing for Red Drum or just fishing for Red Drum, I think it was episode two. Yeah, just make sure you sight check fishing that Redfish. Out. I think. Yeah, sight fishing Redfish. Judd and, um, and Jason really shared a lot in that episode. So go check that out. Learn how you can win thirty grand in the next term. <laughs> and give him a run for his money. So anyway, guys, super excited. Everyone has been stoked about this show. Uh, but once before we get into it, make sure you share for a chance to win uh, this prize right here. So this is an ice strike package. And actually, I think there's some a uh, different picture than what. So technically, what you'll have in that package is a one eighth, a three sixteenth, a quarter ounce jig heads. Right? Yep. I said that right. Yep. So I don't know if the picture i think they said maybe some of them in there were different than what they'll actually send uh but they will send something similar to what's on the screen i think he had two packs of the same weight texas i and he's, yeah. he's gonna swap those around yeah i think that's what it was yep so anyway guys make sure you share this episode right now that's how you win we're gonna give it away at the end yep but i'm gonna go ahead 
and introduce our guest, which I hopefully I'll do a good job. Uh, Christopher Bush, one of our our uh, friends and one of our, our um, people who watch the show said, hey, you've got to get in touch with this guy. you got to have him on the show. He crushes trout. I follow his Instagram. I follow him, you know, on his on his blog, thespeckledtruth.com. you got to have him on the show. So I started reaching out and harassing him, uh, <laughs> and he and convinced him to come on. And so I'm really excited to, to, bring, on, um, to bring on Chris. So, Chris, I'm going to bring you on camera right here, man. Uh, let's see if I can bring all three of us up. What's up, oh. dude? How are you? Yeah, what's going on, guys? How are y'all? Doing well, man. Thank you, thank you so much for joining us. And we're you're actually skyping in from San Antonio. Is that right? That's correct. Yeah, and you didn't honestly uh, harass me too much. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was cool. Actually, no. Truth be told, man, I, I am a follower of the show, and I listen. And I was telling you, I think before last week when we were talking a little bit about it, I'd been following. So, Jason. And Alan Jernigan, they just recently uh, placed second in that Redfish World Series like you guys are talking about. And I remember listening to that episode, and it's guys like that that you'll have on the actual uh, podcast. Even as a trout fisherman, and even though he targets redfish, like I was telling you, man, there's always something that you can learn regardless of fishery. Yeah. Uh, honestly, regardless of fishery that you can learn and maybe apply or at least a mental technique or something along those lines. And so I really enjoy the productions you guys put together. And I'm a follower, man, just like everybody else. So uh, I appreciate it. So you Thank didn't you, you didn't harass yeah, me too man. much. Thank That's you. A good word. Yeah, we appreciate encouragement. That. Yeah, it's appreciate always appreciated. That. Absolutely, <laughs> dude. We we eat feedback for breakfast. So, That's right. Yeah. <laughs> so just good as long as, just as long as it's good feedback, which we really appreciate that. Uh, so everybody, thank you for jumping on, um, man. I, I wanted I want you to tell us a little bit about yourself, but I don't want you to go in too much depth, and that might sound weird. Yeah. But you and your dad, or you just launched a podcast, and you and your dad have a podcast on there, and really really dive into your story. So I want to give people a chance to go listen to that. Um, but man, give us some of the highlights about, you know, just how you got into fishing and, and kind of leave out the good stuff. Cause man, you get, you and your dad have some really great stories. I think Judd would agree. We oh, both, yeah. we both listened to it this past week and we're, we're talking about it and we're like, man, that's such a awesome first, first episode. And, and so, yeah, man, tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, the speckled truth, maybe even the podcast a little sure. bit if you want. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, born and raised in New Orleans, Louisiana, and grew up with a, a trout fishing father. That's really where it stems from. And that's why he was first on the podcast is because family uh, is so important for us. And, and like we talked about in the podcast is that really trout fishing is almost like that sibling that's in the room and present in the family. Um, but dude, he, you know, growing up fishing on the Louisiana Delta, we call Port Salt, Louisiana, our home waters. And, um, that was us, man. I was a little marsh rat just running around South Louisiana, <laughs> my little bitty skiff, and just learning how to trout fish. If it was a redfish, flounder, drum, or anything else that we caught, honestly, it, it really didn't suffice. And so uh, years later, obviously that passion has grown so, so much more. And now instead of numbers, we predominantly target trophy trout. And I just talked about it actually in a podcast that we recorded with Mike McBride. And that's kind of the evolution of an angler that goes from a numbers guy to, ke you know, catching a big fish to then targeting big fish on purpose. I feel like we're trying to get to that level uh, of targeting big fish on purpose and being successful at it. So um, 
But again, born and raised in New Orleans, Louisiana, have a brother and a sister, married, have three kiddos. We're living here in San Antonio because I'm actually in the military, the Air Force, and have been for 14 years. So we have a little bit longer to go, but the Air Force has been good to us uh, throughout the course of my career. And it's been that's the reason I've been able to fish. Judd, you kind of alluded to it a little bit. That's been the reason I've been able to fish various estuaries is because it's been on the Air Force dime because they've moved us. Uh, yeah. so much. That's so, awesome. yeah. Uh, but the passion is real, man. We, we love targeting big fish. There's nothing like it. And we promote conservation. That's the biggest thing. There was a story a long time ago that I shared in that podcast that I did with my pops. And that was, we targeted, uh, just, a, we used to catch a lot of fish. And so it got to a point where we, we started looking at ourselves in the eye and or each other in the eye and, and like, what are we doing? And so, that's when my dad kind of coined the phrase, take what you need and release the rest. And so we, the kind of rest is history to some extent. And so as I've moved on and targeted bigger fish through various estuaries, he's kind of taken it to heart and targeted numbers of fish, but he's been tagging trout uh, over the course of, I think, five to seven years. And more recently, He's uh, tagged 12,000 trout. out. I, I love telling people about that and, and that accolade, but he's tagged 12,000 trout in four years. And I love telling people about That's that incredible. because that is a guy who grew up catching as many fish as you could, throw them in a cooler, and then that's how you measure today was by the cooler uh -huh. to a guy who's been more conservation-minded and wanting to safeguard and take care of a resource. So I'm, I'm more proud of that, I think, than he is, but – um, anyway, I share that, but that's my, that's my pops. That's our family. And that's where it all starts, man. And the passion is real for targeting big fish. That's cool. Yeah. And that's coming from a place too, down there in, in South Louisiana, where we're killing a bunch of trout is, is the norm. You know, you, it's, it's all about those pictures on the, <laughs> on the dock at the end of the day with a bunch of fish laid out. And, um, it's just cool <laughs> to see the progression and the change and, and that, that, people you know can rise up and make a big difference in that way so that's that's real encouraging um it's yeah. it's uh it's something that north carolina needs to uh to start to do a little bit more of well, is realizing the importance of conservation of these fisheries well we're getting i would say south louisiana is getting there um i'm seeing a little bit more um in social media boards and in, in pictures and posts and comments and that's people just saying hey do you really need that much and the fact that it's kind of coming up socially is okay because the guys that I just interviewed for a podcast here in Texas have created successful guide businesses for decades, promoting a fishery and, and teaching their clients to be more conservation minded. Right. And they're at the top tier echelon of the guiding world. And so to say that you need and I'm not targeting guides, I'm targeting people is that man, just take care of your fishery because if you do, it's going to be here forever. Right. And right. from a God, from a business perspective, don't catch yourself out of business. Right. And so, <laughs> um, anyway, I, I leave it at that. And, and we don't say, Hey, just catch and release everything. We, we promote self-discipline conservation, which is again, taking what you need and release the rest. My kids who you heard screaming before the show, uh, love to catch, <laughs> uh, or love to eat speckled trout. And so I'll keep a few, right. you know, if the family wants a few. And so, but we just have to be mindful and not do it for like and share and, and all that stuff. Right. If it's irresponsible, then let's not do that. So, 
Yeah, man. Good, good stuff. Really good and, and good point. And I, I love that about, you know, what you're sharing uh, about your dad who, you know, that was his culture to, to go and to slay as many fish. But dude, before we move on any further, I just wanted yeah. to, you know, say thank you for your service in the air force. Um, yeah, you know, I, I don't want to miss that at all because, um, <laughs> you know, if it wasn't, wasn't for guys like you, we couldn't do what we're doing right now and, and the freedoms to do what we do. So, uh, you know, I want to make sure we just honor you for that. So really appreciate that. Um, and, and so man, tell us a little bit about, let's, let's talk about your, your, your blog and, and kind of your, your mission. Sure. Um, I mean, you can spend as much time or, or whatnot on it, but I definitely want to make sure as we're early in the show yeah. that, that we put that information out there so people have an opportunity to check it out. Um, so man, Kind of tell us how you. I, I thought it was a really interesting story you shared with me of how you came up with the speckled truth. Yeah, it's uh. So, um, I I have a charter captain license. I have a six pack, and I chartered my way through school through LSU, and so, um, that's what I did. And I move. I joined the Air Force because it was after 9/11. I shared this with Tom Rowland in, in that podcast, which is pretty awesome. But when I joined. It kind of took me to Korea first, then South Carolina, and then I eventually moved back to Mississippi. And at that point, my wife and I had just gotten married. Uh, we were expecting our first son. And so when I got back to kind of closer to home waters, I reestablished my God business. And so um, I started doing that. And for the three to five, I think it was four years that were in Keesler, Biloxi, Mississippi, uh, I was chartering on the weekends and, and doing things, and I really enjoyed it. And so we had found out that my son, um, or he was born, and we were expecting our second son, and we had a decision to make whether or not we wanted to stay in the Air Force, and the Air Force moved this, this, to San Antonio the first time. And so we decided to do, the, to do that and take that assignment. But I was missing fishing a lot, and so I started just kind of creatively writing as a way of an outlet because I wasn't fishing anymore. And I remember asking my wife, Hey, I'm thinking about doing a blog. <laughs> and she had written a blog in, at LSU because she was an ar architectural degree. And she was kind of sharing a lot of the projects that she was working on. And so she's like, okay, well, what are you going to name it? <laughs> and I said, speckle truth. And she was like, that's actually really good. And so we just kind of kept going. So the first post I think I made was about Paul Brown and his son. It's called A Legend and His Son. And I got a couple of comments and like, hey, man, that was really awesome. This, that, and the other thing. And mind you, I'm from New Orleans, Louisiana, which if you haven't looked, we're not the greatest in terms of education. And so I don't consider myself a very good writer at all. And so I'm just throwing thoughts on a page. And... All of a sudden, man, it was like two years later, it just kind of kept going and manifesting. And I was documenting the journal when I was targeting big fish on the Mississippi Gulf Coast and then translating that over to Texas. I kept documenting that journal and it kept growing. It went from like, you know, 50 followers to 250 to 1,000 to then about, I don't know, 3,000 followers. And then when I moved to Florida, I started moving or started fishing a lot more. And then I brought on one of the three other guys that helped with speckled truth. And that's Kyle John Johnson, Edward crumb and Keith Morrison. And that's when we decided to go from a concept to a brand and talk about trophy speckled trout and the conservation of that, because that's our passion. That's what we live to do. 
is to share that. And so we went from just, you know, 3000 followers to I think we're 15,000. But on the same token is we wanted to do it in a very organic way. We wanted to do it because it was passion. We don't have any sponsors. We don't have any of that stuff. And everything we write, everything we do is sharing a passion about trophy speckled trout fishing um, with our followers because we love it just as much as you do. And we hope you do if you don't. And if you are one of those folks that's targeted big fish or you are one of those folks that love speckled trout fishing, um, we, we just urge you, you know, consider again, kind of taking what you need and releasing the rest. And that's our community. And that's kind of what we've created. And so it started with a little bitty old piddly blog that was poorly written. Um, and then now it, I wouldn't say it's by any means big time, but you know, the fact is that we're actually reaching more and more people are actually the more inspiring thing is getting messages from people and getting things from people to say, Hey man, I've really changed my mindset or I've changed my approach to big trout fishing, man. That's all the inspiration we need to hear to kind of keep what we're doing with speckled trout. And that kind of translates over to our, our citation programs, which I hope we talk about here in a little bit, but that's really speckled trout in a nut or speckled truth in a nutshell is really a concept of just, again, a creative outlet to then translating over to a community, a community of trophy trout guys or enthusiasts or purists or guides uh, that share that same passion of just the pursuit of targeting a big fish, catching that big fish, reveling in that accomplishment and then releasing it. Dude, there is like, I'm getting goosebumps because <laughs> that's, awesome, man. that's what it's all about, dude. Yeah, I'm serious. Yeah. Like, we love it, bro. We, we, we love it. And we love talking to people about it. And it's, it's a second job, no doubt, but man alive. Um, it's very rewarding. So hopefully that wasn't too long winded, but no, that's man, us. And that that's great. Yeah, man, that's good. I, I think Judd and I would agree. We're, we're kind of that same boat, you know, I mean, like we always share like our sponsors aren't, you know, writing us checks or, you know, I mean, they hook us up sure. to, to hook our audience up, but we're doing it because we love it. Um, it was <clears throat> something that I, that I wanted to be a part of, of help helping to create, to get back into the community, kind of the same thing, like, you know, was a part of a, a of a community. And then, then that kind of dwindled and I'm like, man, I got to create something to create content, to get back into sure. uh, just being a part of it. So, uh, man, really love that. Really love the conservation, you know, message that you're, that you're spreading. Uh, obviously love the giant trout that you're catching and <laughs> yeah. teaching people how to catch it. So, so dude, let's talk about you, you, you referenced the dirty 30 program, um, quickly give us a breakdown of that because I think it's a super cool idea. I think I first sure. heard of it uh, when our I can't remember what episode, like episode three, when when Dave and Ralph was on from iStrike. I believe they mentioned it. Um, yes. You know something similar. So, man, break that down for us because uh, we do have some people watching who are trout slayers that you know go out and catch some big trout. So uh, make sure they know how to get connected with a, with that program. Sure. So, uh, Dirty Thirty was a concept that we create that we came up with and the thought was is that hey look we live obviously in a pretty accelerated it age and um there were a lot of questions that we had theories that we grew up fishing grew up fishing right and that is you know like for instance um 
the best time to target a big fish is five days before the full moon. You always hear these kind of theoretical discussions. You've read articles, this, that, and the other thing. And so, you know, we figured, hey, let's let's go ahead and get after this a little bit. Let's create a program where we have people, anglers from all the various estuaries from Virginia to Texas participate. And so if we can collect the data, we can maybe then look at it and see if there's any sort of like trends if there's something that we can see from the data. And then not only that, if there are those trends, what are they and how can we use them to safeguard the fishery, right? Because if we have that information, we can now speak with some sort of education to why that's happening, maybe notionally what's going on in a fishery or migratory patterns or their relate their response and relationship to fresh or salt water da, 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 da. Uh, it all goes back to if we can use the information to help like texas parks and wildlife or florida or louisiana wildlife and fisheries or whatever it is if they're having an issue with stock assessment or we can maybe lend, lend some light on the, on the subject with regards to big trout because big trout are I think most would agree they're a different animal. You can catch a three, four pound trout. I've spent my entire life catching those. Um, not not to sound cocky, but I mean, again, my, my pops is a pretty daggum good fisherman. So on the back of his boat, he's pretty much pointing to the right direction. And so I'm just fishing. Um, but with big trout, man, that's a different story. Uh, you have to, there's, there's a lot of calculation involved. There's so many external factors. I just talked to Mike McBride down here in Port Mansfield about that. And we recorded that podcast, but, and, and we talked about the external factors associated with big trout fishing. So there's so much more going on with big fish. And so let's study that a little bit. Anyway, the dirty 30 is if you catch a 30 inch trout, you send in a measurement of the fish with a picture, your name, date, look or date caught location, um, state, the length, the weight, if it's available and in the lore and whether or not it's released. And so we started kind of capturing this and we'll send you stickers. So the first year we just sent a sticker is the dirty 30 sticker. I don't have one with me. Uh, it's back there <laughs> anyway. Um, and so we figured, Hey, that's the only thing we can give. We don't make a whole lot of, actually I funded the whole thing by myself. And so We'll send you a sticker, and the only way to get one is to earn one. It's a Dirty 30 sticker. And then so this year, this past year, which just closed yesterday, the 18 through 19 year, we actually saw some influence with the amount of people we're reaching via post and stuff like that. And we asked a lot of companies that we were friends with if they would support that, and we could mail anglers a box because, again, all we want is the information and we want to make sure that we're getting their from their product out to people that actually fish. So we started capturing all this. And last year we had 59 entries and I have the dirty 30 list here. Dude, I'm excited to hear it for this year. And we're at 87 uh, for this year. Now, I still have a few more to enter and a couple more boxes to, to send. Again, this is like my second job. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> but yeah, so we're doing good. Right. The, the program's growing. And then not only that, for this year, we then broaden the reach a little bit and open it up to 27-inch trout to 30. And there's kind of like that other tier, which is, we call a state citation program. 
And that is for 27 to less than 30 inch fish because we feel and there's value in the 28 inch trout caught in Mississippi is about the same size in terms of accolade here in Texas is catching a 30 inch fish. And so we want to capture that. It's just a different animal there in that fishery. And so we open that aperture a little bit and then we just send a state sticker for those participants and not a full box of tackle with a dirty 30 sticker. And so for instance, I have North Carolina's right here since we're obviously you guys are based out of there. We have 13 entries so far for this year i think i have one or two more that i gotta enter and then for instance in texas which is again where i'm based out of is uh i still have a few more to enter but we're at 106. Wow. Uh, so and the idea is to basically accumulate all this data take a look at it and then see if there's any sort of trend analysis if there's some catch keep ratio that we're that we're seeing, if there's a release ratio we're seeing with regards to time of year, all that stuff matters because it goes back to understanding a species. And the more we understand a species, the better we can safeguard a species uh, for many years to come. And so that's that's our intent with the program. It's not any sort of like self-fulfillment. Oh, I'm hoarding all this data for my own personal no, that's definitely not the case whatsoever. Uh, we are really taking this and trying, like, for instance, you know, opening the aperture for the CCA Star Tournament here in Texas. We're seeing in Texas a lot of the fish that are harvested. So we ask them whether or not they caught a release, yes or no. We're seeing a little bit of a trend here in Texas with regards to tournaments because they have a lot every weekend that fish that are registered via star or via tournament, most of them are harvested. I can't blame the angler whatsoever because there's money on the line. But what I can tell Texas Parks and Wildlife is that, hey, look, we're seeing a little bit of a, a trend of, of people harvesting a lot of fish, big, big fish, our brood stock, our genetic pool across these various estuaries um, based off of the data we're seeing right so and then you talk to the anglers and then they're saying well i would have released the fish but i was fishing a tournament and so we hope that this program continues over the next you know five to ten years because what we would love to see is let's say we're at 106 trout caught and trophy trout caught in texas and then let's say three years from now we're only at 60. well what happened you know we can then kind of peel the onion back of right was there any sort of weather anomaly? Was there a hard freeze, you know, a year before or something that impacted that big trout fishery? And so the more we can collect on that data, the more educated we can get, because that's our gene pool. I just shared a, a, a an article from Mike McBride yesterday. It's called Ice Plant Perspectives. And I, I urge anybody that goes or loves trout fishing and really fishing in general from from the yesteryear, if you will, and I'm talking yesteryear, like the 60s and 70s. But they're talking about fishing a surf, you know, down in the lower Laguna Madre. They're fish. They're talking about fishing the lower Laguna Madre and and catching. And I, I just talked to David Rossi about about catching multiple fish over seven to eight pounds in a day. And so you go from that to now a lower Laguna Madre, where let's face it, I mean that that. 
it's a very healthy estuary. The problem is, is that the size isn't once what it used to be. And so we need to understand that before we can get we, we need to understand and maybe learn from our past before we can go ahead and forecast our future. Yeah. And so that's really the intent of our citation programs long term. But that's how you participate. And everybody that does participate is doing their part. And so I can't encourage enough. And so I badger the hell out of people on social media like, hey, submit that as a citation, if you know, because we want the data. We want the data point. Uh, we could. I hate to say this because we do have a lot of. I say program supporters that do invest product, but honestly, we, I don't care about that. I don't care about the likes, shares, and all that crap. All I care about is the, the data point accumulating it so we can be more educated on a fishery that I love, yeah. that I love. And, you know, so that's super anyway. cool. And that's a cool uh, kind of perspective, you know, using social media and these outlets in, in a way that that's more than just self-promotion. It's, yeah. a, it's about... It's about the fish and, and using it in a way yep. that that's productive in that sense. Well, let's talk about that. That's super cool. And hopefully I'll be sending you uh, a, a citation <laughs> hopefully this, after this episode. Right? I've never caught a 30 inch <laughs> trout, but this I'm telling myself that this is going to be my year. So I'm going to probably have to come down there and fish with you in Texas. <laughs> but no, um, dude, North Carolina. It, it, I can you share it? Can you say it? Like North Carolina, I think has almost as many entries as Florida. Now we'll say this. It's, we're still a very, very young uh, program. And so we've realized actually that a lot of our followership, it's since we're based out of Mississippi, I now live in Texas. Our biggest followership is here in Texas. It's right. a huge fishery. But North Carolina is really rivaling second in terms of Mississippi. And it's funny because I'm from Louisiana, but I think the reason the the – a lot of people do follow us in Louisiana, but on the same token, I don't think as many people do because there aren't as many big fish in the state of Louisiana, which yeah. is another topic because I grew up there and 20, 25 trout per person per day, that's a lot of fish. And it's so Mike McBride fish. says it perfectly. Now, what's How are the you? minimum size? It's like 11 inches, well, right? 12, 12 inches. inches. And so he, he, he had the great, greatest analogy. You can't grow. And it's, it's the same in, you know, in deer hunting and all that stuff is that you can't grow a six, seven, and eight pound trout if you keep all the two, threes, and fours. Right, yeah. right. And so I think that's Louisiana in a nutshell. I grew up there, and a lot of people you know, say, hey, you can't hurt uh, a fishery via rod and reel. I would, to some extent, agree there, especially in Louisiana, because there is such a diverse estuary. But I think with the, and we talked about this, Judd, you fish there. Man, the the fishery is losing land at a rapid rate, and so the estuary, the nursery, that the stories. If you listen to my dad's, you know, perspective in in his podcast, he's seventy three years old. Man, he fished land, he fished bays and ponds that I have never seen ever. Think about that, because I'm only forty, or I'm soon to be forty years old. So that's happened in one life, yeah. one lifespan. What is it? That's, They're losing a hundred football fields alarming. a year of, of, of marks there a day. Oh, a day. A Dang. day. Yeah. That's crazy. Man, so, that is insane. It's not doom and gloom. My point is, is that you can't manage, you can't think about it personally that the fishery is the same when 10 years ago, the fishery looked dramatically different. 
And so he says this year was his best summer he's ever had uh, fishing. And and this is from a guy who's tagged, you know, 3,500, 3,600 trout in a year. This summer alone, he's almost caught 3,000 trout. Now, is a classic stack-up situation where you had a high Mississippi River, you had a high Atchafalaya River, they dumped the spillway in a Lake Pontchartrain, and so where he's fishing, which is near Grand Isle, is piling up all the salt water, and those trout have tails and know how to use them. They basically find it salt water, they do their thing and spawn, and then what you have happen is you have a classic fish-in-a-barrel type situation, and so hopefully it doesn't come the haunt you know the right. louisiana estuary in terms of year class for years to come but 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 he says it perfectly he's like dude i had my best year in the past let's say five to seven years but overall i would say the fishery is in terms of numbers declining yeah. and that's coming from a guy who's fished let's say six decades wow. <laughs> so. i think that's one people think people miss out on is you know they might have a good year and be like, oh no, or, or you know, you, you hear oh, a bunch of people are catching redfish here in North Carolina, yep. and, and and you immediately start to think, oh, well, maybe we're not, you know, on a decline of, of our fish stock or or whatnot. And it's it's really it, you can't just go off of like emotion and what you hear. Yeah, sure. you really gotta you gotta look at you know the real numbers and um, obviously I, I don't know. That's just kind of how I always. People are, yeah, people, absolutely. people post a bunch of pictures of redfish and they're like, oh, you know, the redfish are, we're, they're, they're coming back and, yeah. or trout or whatnot. And it's just, it's usually not the case. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, yeah, that's, that's, that's interesting. Not to belabor the point. I'm sorry, Jed, but no, you're good. Bath, for instance, last year, Baffin Bay, I had actually a pretty good year. Um, I would classify that as a good year. I, I, I caught and registered seven of my own trophy trout citations, no dirty 30 until recently that was in Corpus Christi with my son. I wrote that article, but I, I would classify that as a pretty good year. I actually caught a lot of fours and fives, which I thought were, was a, a pretty good sign of the overall estuary. But if you talk to guides like David Rousey, if you talk to guides like Aubrey Black or, or Mike McBride and the guys that grew up there, they'll kind of echo that same sentiment that, man, we used to go out there and catch seven, eights and nines like it was nothing. And that's hard for me to fathom because I'm one, I'm not from here. And I would consider, you know, a six, seven and eight, a really good fish, <laughs> let alone, you know, trying to catch multiple in a year. That's, that's obviously a big deal, but, um, there comes my son, but, uh, <laughs> So, but no, it, it just shows over the course of time that, you know, we, we got to take a look at it collectively and not just be so, uh, focused on the here and now and with those blinders on. So anyway, yeah. sorry to belabor the point boys. No, hey, you're good. Yeah. No worries at all, man. I wanted to, um, cause you know, we are talking about trout fishing and, I, and first of all, I just, I, I love the blog. I love the creation of, of any type of business or brand. So I'm like a huge, I mean, Judd and I were talking about that over coffee this morning. Uh, just my passion for that. So I, I love that you share that story and, and people can check out the speckled truth.com. They can go check out your podcast on, I think it's on Spotify. That's where I saw it. Um, yes. And, and so, man, I want to, for the next, you know, 20 minutes or so that we have left with you, um, man, let's dive into how do we here in North Carolina go target these big fish so we can, you know, hopefully a lot of people are stoked about the, the dirty 30 <laughs> citation program. Uh, sure, I am. And target, yeah, go target those <laughs> fish and and send that that data in. And I think a lot of people, you know, especially in our audience that have reached out to us this week, have just been like, "Man, I'm so stoked!" Uh, you know, because yeah. one, it's you know, I saw a picture of you um, and your son. Let me bring all three of us on here that you that you posted uh, not too long ago. I actually reposted it to promote the show, 
And man, those are the kind of memories that, you know, we want to make, um, you know, with each other, with friends, with all that kind of stuff. And so dude, you and I were talking a few, like last week. Um, mm-hmm. and, and you told me, I, th- I believe I wrote this down, right. That you, because of your job, because of the distance from the water, you fish an average of probably about five days a month. Is that right? Am I saying that right? Yeah. That's about right. Yeah. Yeah. But, and you target you target these big fish based on, you know, the research that you've done throughout the years, based on the research your dad you know your dad have put together. Um and, and so it's a little bit different than what most people would say. And I could you get into that just a little bit? I mean, you can talk about the moon phases and all you know, all kinds of stuff. I, we you and I talked for like an hour almost and <laughs> I don't think one time we ever talked about a piece of tackle or a rod or anything. So I told Judd, I'm like, dude, wait for this. Like I had to do a bunch of research when we got off the phone just to kind of even comprehend what the heck you're talking about <laughs> so <laughs> but i'm not a very smart guy i'm from tennessee so it's kind of like louisiana a little <laughs> so what, what i don't man mike mcbride like i said man he's so first off he's my mentor and we just talked about it and he said and and i agree he's like man you can catch him on a big pen if you're in the right spot at the right time it's knowing when to be at that right spot at the right time that to me, just sums up trout fishing in one sentence. And it's because I alluded to it a little bit earlier. It's all the external factors that go into trophy trout fishing um, that really almost lore and lore presentation is somewhat secondary. And so I, yes, I do fish five days a month. Uh, I try to target those days with purpose because I know I'm looking at moon phase. I'm looking at cylinder rating and cylinder periods and majors and minors and how they're setting up for my day and locations that I have. And so I'm doing all these kind of mathematical risk assessment type things before I even go. And so I've already forecasted my leave for the next six months because I've seen and understood, I think, a little bit with regards to trophy trout and how they feed in these windows. It's knowing when to be where in that window. And so that's where I try to focus more of my efforts. Technique-wise and lore presentation and all that stuff, that's important. Um, but I'll echo Mike. I mean, I, I, I would to some extent agree. You can sometimes throw a freaking you know, beer bottle cop uh, cap on a freaking hook, man. As long as it's in the right sp- spot in the right time, it'll catch it, you know. But yeah. I try to be versed in various techniques, you know. Unlike I think a lot of inshore fishermen, where popping cork, especially in Louisiana, popping cork and you know a soft plastic or a popping cork and shrimp or whatever it is, and so yeah. that's kind of the status quo, dude. Like I, I will literally like this year. One of my biggest things I'm going to try to focus on is try to see if spy baiting is something that's worth um, exploring in the inshore, especially within trophy trout. So, for, and, and I won't go too far, but this is like a little slow sink. Uh, this is actually the Berkeley, but I do have the Mega Bass. But the idea is I want to try to see if these various techniques cross over. But my point is, is that understanding when to be where is, is the biggest thing. So moon phase, cylinder wind tide locations, water temperature, all those factors added up equal success on a day or when to be where. And just figuring out what to throw at that point 
and having confidence in your skill is really secondary. And, and you, so that's what I perpetually preach to people is that, dude, understand that. Understand sullen or moon phase. So I think you're kind of wanting to get there, Billy, because we I remember talking about that. But, you know, I'll, I'll go back to the question that's posed, the theory, and that is, you know, the best time to go catch a big fish is five days before the full moon. True. Backed by data, that's true. But a better moon phase or moon phase or, or better time around moon phases is around actually the new moon. And I'm not making it up, man. I have spreadsheets upon spreadsheets that will tell me that statistically speaking, that that time is a little bit more productive. Now, it's not to say that the time before the full moon isn't productive. It is. It's just there's different times that are better in terms of production. And I think that shatters a lot of uh, thought that people have. Now, we'll say this. Of the 12 days, plus or minus the new and the full moon, of those 12 days, what I had – it's a pretty cool uh, chart I have here. Give me a sec. This is how nerdy I am about speckled. I have like spreadsheets <laughs> awesome, and stuff. About, but uh, let's see. This is just the Texas uh, Trophy Trout Citation uh, Analytics. And that was – I'm looking for this one. Okay, there it is. And so <clears> – <throat> All right, inside the new or full moon, this is a little bit dated. So this was of 75 citations that we had in Texas. Of that 75, 45 were registered plus or minus the new and the full moon. Outside of that plus or minus three is only 30. Now that actually that's a lot larger than what I was originally thinking. I thought they they fed in tighter groups around those larger moons versus throughout the entire month. And so what we found is actually the most productive period outside the plus or minus three is actually after the new moon prior to the week of the full moon. So it's little things like that that are just eye opening, I guess. But what I do is I try to take that data and then focus my efforts looking at a calendar, looking at the moon, the majors, minors, cylinder rating for those days earmarking those days on my own personal calendar and then saying, hey, if the weather is good, the weather's conducive. If it's we didn't have a hard norther blow through, I'm going fishing. If it's a Tuesday, if it's a Wednesday or Saturday, I'm going to basically cash the chips in with my wife and my family and say I'm gone. And so I actually am going to try to open the aperture a little bit more and try to fish 10 days a month this this year. I'm going to sleep in my truck. Um, thinking about getting, or I'm going to get a little camper top. I'm going to nice. spend, uh, yeah, just kind of traveling the coast from East Matagorda Bay all the way down to Port Mansfield and try to really see if this notion is true or if that was just blind luck last year. But, um, we'll see, we'll see what happens. Now, what do you think it is about these moon phases that trigger these fish to bite a little bit more? We just had Luke Donay ask that in the, in the question feed, and I think it's a good one. Um, and, and maybe not yeah. if it, maybe not as important as just being there when during those phases because they are biting, but what's your, your take on that? And, and, and yeah, your it, it's just, I think it's lunar influence one. 
And and so we can't, I can't explain it, dude. I have, I'm like the dumbest person on earth. And so, um, you're outsmarting me, <laughs> all of us right now, I believe. Right. No, 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 but like in terms of like physics and, and astronomy and all, dude, I couldn't tell you what the moon's other than the gravitational pull, which I was taught in high school, you know, uh, science class. But, you know, I don't really know what I can tell you is that just using my own knowledge being on the water. And I think most people that are watching hopefully have that same experience. You might be fishing an area, you might be fishing a stretch of bank, um, or, you know, you move or something and all of a sudden you start to see a little bit more activity here. You'll start to see Nell guys stand up or, or, or deer grazing or something happening. You'll start to see pelicans starting kind of just cruising along. You'll start to see, you know, seagulls kind of in the air and being more and just things seem to more come active. to life. Yeah. And I would encourage those who are listening to if you see that, go back and check a cylinder and so go see if there's a major or minor happening because I guarantee you there is. And so whatever's going on, it's like a dinner bell. Hmm. And I think the trout feel the same way. And so I also feel too that, you know, from a trout perspective, they don't they feed in tight windows, but just because they ate something doesn't mean they're going to stop until right. that window closes. They're going to eat the hell out of whatever's available. And I have way too many instances at at least my own experience where, and I think a lot of guys here in Texas will, will kind of uh, agree if they're, if they're watching dude, mullet tails sticking out of trout's throat. Uh, you'll see, you know, shrimp whiskers hanging out or something along those lines. And those fish are still hitting, you know, a five inch top water or, or a corky fat boy or something along those lines. And so when that window opens, dude, that dinner bell is going, it's a teenager in a freaking just fully stocked pantry, man. They're going at it <laughs> and they're going to eat until they're stuffed. I would and I'd so, say I, I eat pretty good, pretty hard uh, five <laughs> days before a new moon as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm going to have but, to check the new moon for like attitude and stuff around me. It's, it's the craziest thing. So I, I would just encourage people, man, to be more mindful of moon phase, even on, on crappy moon phases. And that's where I think the story is very, very important with my son. Dude, I caught a 30 inch fish on a Ned rig in a spot that perpetually, and I say perpetually does not produce any large fish. I've gone to that spot 50, maybe 75 times. And I, probably the biggest fish I caught there is 21 inches. Yeah. And lo and behold, my, my son my son and I go there, and it's the inexplainable. It's on September 1st. If you go back and look at that day's rating, it was a two. Um, if you go back and look at, you know, the, you know, major and minor, I didn't catch it in either one of those. It was in between. And so there are these crazy anomalies that still happen. And that is, I think, more inspiring than anything, because that just tells you if you have the time to go and if you have the time to go with loved ones, especially don't hesitate, because sometimes the inexplainable happens and that's what makes fishing even better. Right. right. Because I've done so much research and I freaking stick a 30 on a damn Ned rig on the worst day of the month with my son. But. Lo and behold, man, that's a memory we'll never forget. Right. Yeah. Well, all right. So, so moon phases and all that aside, what are the other conditions that you're really looking for? Like if to pick a perfect day to trout fish. And I know a lot of us, we just have to go when we can go um, or when we have to go. 
And but, so, but what are your your top conditions? Water temp, you know, wind, all that. Certainly. So I don't fish in the summertime at all. I hang up the waders. I hang up my rods and reels. I basically winterize them in the summer, and so I don't pick them back up till the first of October. So, and that's been all the all the fisheries that I've fished, minus South Carolina, right? And that's where I can maybe empathize with you guys, having never fished the North Carolina coast. Um, and understanding having lived in South Carolina that obviously winter is it's winter, <laughs> unlike Florida, <laughs> Texas, Louisiana, Mississippi, Alabama, um, where you can have a mild winter. It can be Christmas. It can be New Year's. You know, it could be uh, Valentine's Day and I'm still in shorts and flip flops. And so I understand that that's there's weather anomalies. OK, but to answer your question, Judd. What I really enjoy is wintertime fishing because I think conditions are one, but I think bait availability is, I think, the, the top factor for me. And so big fish, what we've seen is over the course of time, at least the data here, is that they, they start to feed on slightly smaller things in the summertime because bait's more readily available and it's present. But in the wintertime, they'll kind of open that aperture and they'll start eating bigger profiles and bigger things. And so there's just not as much bait presence in the actual fishery itself. So from a, for an artificial only guy like me, that is my prime time because now one live bait's not available. I don't have to worry about guides and, and anglers picking on them with live bait. And then two, a lot of anglers are actually off the water, deer hunting, turkey hunting, et cetera. And then now I can, with less bait present in the actual, uh, estuary now i can actually start targeting fish on bigger profile lures and then um being being successful but if i had to choose my ideal day my favorite months of the year are november and march march is obviously a pretty windy month but i love both of those because they come off the heels of a transition one comes off the heels of a transition one leads into a transition so we're starting to see something happen with water temperature water temperature declining in november water temperature slightly increasing uh, in March. And I like it around like the upper 50s, low to mid 60s. I love that water temperature range because I still think those fish, and most would say, oh, fish it low and slow. Those fish are lethargic, this, that, and the other thing. Well, in my estuaries here in the South Texas, even in Florida, what I saw in Mississippi, that I, the majority of the big fish I caught were in probably, I'd say four feet or less. And the, the thing that really flipped the script for me was riding around in the lower Laguna Madre in Port Mansfield in a February morning where the at the time it was like 41 degrees and the water temp was in the upper 40s. And it wasn't a prolonged period. It was a short duration. But what you what I saw was mind boggling. And that was big trout, seven plus pounds lumbering on these flats with typically with redfish cruising behind mullet. And so I took that and brought it back to Mississippi. And, was, and when I, when I was fishing Mississippi and I, I started targeting big fish there and I started looking at shallower parts of the estuary and sure enough on warming trends, I would find those fish there. So I love those two months of the year, but if I had to dial up the best day, obviously overcast conditions, more wind than you would think. I wouldn't say super windy, but definitely windy enough. And I like the reason I say I like wind is because I like cl slightly cloudy water here in 
a wind driven current or water color change or something along those lines. And I feel like having a slightly off colored water as a result of wind that is fishable gives you the upper edge in terms of as a lure guy, because now those fish are more inclined to make mistakes because they can't truly make out the profile of a bait. They're feeding off of instinct. They're again, bait isn't necessarily as present as you would think. And so if they see a big corky fat boy just dart in front of them, flashing in front of them, they're going to go and smoke it. And so that's if I had to doubt the best day, overcast conditions, slightly windy in March or November. Awesome. 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 Well, I wanted to, uh, it's so crazy how, how quickly an hour goes by, but I was just said to be like, Hey, let's go an a, hour just a little oh. bit because I want well, to, I want to keep this going. Um, and it's hearing you talk about a Ned rig and spy baiting and all that, um, I, is really cool because that's something that I, I, I like look, taking those bass techniques and, and bringing them over for, for trout sure. is something that's interested me. Um, not that I've done much of it, but let's talk a little bit about like some of the tackle you like to use. And I know you're not as, as you know, focused on the tackle. You're more focused on the time. So what are some of your kind of setups? And I want to hear about the Ned rig and fishing the Ned rig for trial. That's real cool. Okay. Yep. So, um, I use all Laguna rods. And so of my Laguna rods, I have a couple different makes, I guess a lattice. It's light Texas waiter one, a light Texas waiter two. That doesn't mean a whole lot to you guys, but the idea is that the light waiter two, my Texas light waiter two, is has a it, it's almost a it's a medium blank so it has a medium power but it has i would say almost a moderate to fast tip so it has a little bit slower tip um a lattice stick is a little bit lighter so i'd say it's a medium light with a moderate to uh i'd say a moderate to fast tip and then my lightweighter one is a medium light with a fast tip and so i like those tips because i typically throw braid um, one, I like the sensitivity of it down here in South Texas, there's a ton of wind. And so having the sensitivity in windier conditions, it helps. And then not only that, I love the balance between a softer tip and the non give of braid, especially fishing with baits like, you know, a corky fat boy or any of, you know, I fish a lot of treble style hooks, slow sink suspense styles. Mirror lure, uh, 27MR, soft deans, a double D, all that stuff. And I really like those because when a fish does hit, typically they'll choke it. This is actually a pretty cool one. This is like a prize possession, if y'all can see that. That's what we call a taco here in Texas. That fish basically just munched on it and caught it right there. But the idea is that when that fish eats, I still have the, the hook setting power in the base of the rod but I have when that fish comes up and shakes its head with a heavier lure in its mouth, it still has enough give in the tip of the actual rod to give. A, so it's a, a beautiful thing of give and play. And my hook to land ratio is going way up just by making simple modifications. Now for a Ned rig's a different story. Uh, and then honestly, I do carry one spinning reel. So when I typically wait, I have a, a, a rod that I'm fishing with. And then a rod in my belt. So I wade fish with two rods because I typically fish uh, thigh deep water or less. And so, but I'm focusing on guts and I'm focusing on ledges and, and, and structure and that type of stuff. But kind of where I'm at, that's kind of what I like to fish. So 
But on my spinning rod, I like to have a, a medium with a fast tip, and that is for throwing jerkbait style. So this is, you know, Mega Bass Vision 110 or, you know, the the uh, <clears throat> Shadow Wrap, Shadow Wrap Shads. Those were amazing last year. And I like that because that just gives you a different presentation style for me because my hand – so a real – on my bait cast, I have my rod in my left hand, and I typically have my rod straight up. And so I fish my corkies the same way with my rod straight up, and I work it pretty aggressively. Now, when I'm fishing a jerk bait, I like those, and it's particularly a Ned rig as well, because when I have when I fish those styles of baits, especially jerk baits, I like my rod and my hand on the top of the actual reel seat. And what it does is it creates, it has my uh, rod pointing downward and so when i tw twitch that bait with cadence it's keeping that bait down and then keeping it in the strike zone and so that's where i feel the two different kind of rod presentations they serve a purpose they're tools in the toolbox and i try to use them i don't throw corkies on my spinning rod i don't throw top waters on that i don't even throw soft plastics on that i really only throw a ned rig and i throw a jerk bait or sometimes a 27 MR because uh, that's really, really light. Um, and then now this year, I'll probably throw that spy bait on that. But like glide baits, big swim baits, corky fat boys, top waters, all those kind of bigger, larger style profiles where I can work that bait. I like a, a bait or a bait cast presentation. I just explained that. So hopefully yeah. that was helpful. Yeah, no, that that was, that, awesome. that was awesome. That was really good. Um, it's it's cool to see uh, the you know these different techniques transfer across the board from different fisheries. I want to pick your brain about the Ned rig a little bit. Are you fishing that in current? Are you fishing it uh, you know out on those flats that y'all weighed and stuff in Texas? All right, so Texas doesn't have current. Um, well, let me let me back up. I shouldn't have said that so quickly. Um, some of the Texas coast doesn't have a lot of current, and so having fished Georgia and South Carolina. Um, there's a lot of current. <laughs> so, so to, to, to put it simply, right. At least when I was fishing Wando and Cooper rivers, oh my God, like that was to me, Charleston was the toughest fishery that I've ever fished. I think going, if I were to go back there now, I'd have a little bit better success because I fished the Pascagoula fishery in Mississippi. And so that was a really deep water kind of river, um, fishery and so you had to be proficient and there was a good swing you know two foot tide swing and stuff like that so I, I think i'd be a little bit more prepared for that charleston fisheries but up in north carolina i what what are y'all's tides i you don't get know four and five foot tide swings it can be yeah, yeah it can yeah. really move twice a day yeah twice a day mm -hmm. okay and, so, and it's funny so, here it's like you don't really get at least i don't bites outside of current from trout i mean you're looking for those seams. I mean, maybe you're you're throwing and fishing those eddies and those seams and whatnot just off of good, fast-moving water, but catching trout in slow water is very tough here. And that's where I hope everything that we've talked about somewhat translates or at least opens the aperture to a trout fishing guy in North Carolina. Dude, I'm a, I'm a coastal dude, right? Right. Here right. in the Gulf Coast. And so I've never, other than my short durations, which were two years, two plus years there in the, in the Carolinas and the Georgia fishery. And honestly, I, I actually did a lot better in Savannah than I did in Charleston uh, because there was more, it felt like there were much more, you know, much larger oyster bars. I was able to figure that out because of the current eddy and stuff like that. Right. Um, 
But here, dude, like a half foot tide swing is a lot. That's right. a heavy tide. Right. And like Baffin Complex and the lower Laguna Madre, which would be like Port Mansfield, East Matagorda Bay, which is kind of moored towards the middle coast. Man, you get like a half a foot tide swing. That's huge. But what you do have here is wind, a lot of it. And so that would be considered your current, but it's not your traditional current like your tides, man. When those tides pour out of the Carolinas and and, and like Skidaway River, the right there, uh, man, there's a lot of there's a lot of water moving. But here, there's not. There's just more wind driven current. So Ned Rig here, I think, is perfect. I've fished it in Louisiana and I've fished it in Mississippi as well and done equally as good because I cherry picked the days in which I threw it. The conditions were right. A Ned rig isn't right for every condition. You can't just pull it out the bag and throw it. Um, what I found though, is that when the bite's tough, when there's a high pressure sitting, maybe in between those majors and minors in between that feed, you can kind of keep that bait going. Hey buddy. Hey, one second. Hey, no one worries, se- man. Take your time. Family first. Always. And that's good. Well, hey, while he's uh, giving a little, what's up, man? How are you? Say hello. Hello. <laughs> this is my buddy Cooper. What's up, Cooper? What's up, Cooper? You say hello. Hello. Are you gonna see Mama? I'm almost done. I'm almost done. <laughs> that's awesome, man. Hey. Yeah, go see Mama, okay, Bob? I'm almost done, dude. I love it, dude. I got I got a little one year old. That just made me like want to turn this thing off and so, go home. And I'm probably <laughs> keeping a lot of people, man, from their families, and so I won't. I won't. Oh, no, you're good. No, man. He's good, man. But a Ned Rig, man, so the, the idea is I'll power finesse fish that bait a lot. And so, um, obviously, I like the one-tenth, um, I think, is about as light as I'll go. I like that one-tenth ounce. And I fish it in between or, like, in Louisiana and Mississippi, there's not a whole lot of tide. Or in, be, in between a tide swing, that tide's bottomed out, and it, maybe it's starting to creep back in. When that tide's down and that wind's down, I like to throw it. It kind of matches the conditions. There's not a whole lot going on externally. And so what I'll do is I'll be able to throw it and fish it. And what I've talked about, oh, my God, ad nauseum is that I feel like a Ned Rig and where it really makes its money is its ability to invade personal space of a big fish, not only of a big fish, but really of anything that's there because one, it'll eat it because it's so small in profile, but especially a big fish. I've actually, the 30 inch is obviously the biggest thing I've caught on, on a Ned rig. Uh, but I've caught a lot of fish, let's say 22 to 25 inches on a Ned rig because I feel its ability to kind of invade that personal space. And a big fish is like just annoyed by it and gets rid of it. Yeah. And so it matches those conditions where you're not throwing a clunky, you know, Paul Brown fat boy or a, a mirror lore double D or, or something that has a lot of splash, a, a lot of presence like it, you know, uh, gives off move the, the fish out of there. He's just going to yeah. take care of it. Yeah, exactly. It's going to kind of it, it almost inserts the water like a bullet. And then not only that, as it's bouncing along the bottom, it just kind of gets in there and they start eating. It. So yeah. Yeah. I love awesome. Nedrick, man. I, I'm gonna have to try some more of that. Maybe when that tide slows down here big yep. time and, and the bite kind of slows down, fishing a Ned rig will be the uh 
be the ticket. That's cool. Dude, I think I'm, I'm excited for the feedback of all of our audience that's going to listen to and watch this episode because I already see some people in the chat. Like even Ryan, our guest last week, is like, hey, I'm, I'm on my way right now. <laughs> like, he's, like he's getting stoked. I think once in, we so. finish the Speckled Trout series, we need to have a, a, a series with you just about Speckled Trout to dive into these different different yeah, little, little so categories. Much good information. But it's so much good information, man. But Thank yeah, you. I guess what are we at now, Billy? How much time? I'm oh, no, no, you're good. You're good. You're good. It's we're 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 always uh, wishing we had more time, but um, yeah, absolutely. But yeah, dude, thank you so much for coming on and, and talking. If you were to leave people this year with with you know one piece of information about if this is the year they want to go out and try to catch the big trout, the big thirty inch trout, or or even you know a big 25, 26, 27 inch trout, what would that be? Uh, manage expectations, change mindset in order to. In order to catch big fish, you got to fish for big fish. And so that in, that is managing expectations. It's not like overnight I started catching big fish uh, or, uh, you know, doing it with consistency. What I did do was manage my expectations, and that was a lot of empty casts. That was a lot of empty trips. That was a lot of kind of my own mental toughness asking kind of what I was doing. But I would say, and I think most who've caught it or most, and, and, and that was great talking about it with Mike McBride is defining it. He hates the word, hold on, hold on one sec, guys. Yeah, no worries. And I just want to go ahead and remind everybody really quick as he's uh, taking a little, and we're getting ready to end this episode. Uh, yeah. But just before we get, get ready to end, I want to make sure that anybody that's joined us, um, share this broadcast um, share this episode hit the share button before we end the broadcast we're going to be giving away this package that you see here a couple slight changes I think there's a couple doubled up um, uh, sizes there that'll be changed but we want to make sure we give um, I strike another shout out there because they're hooking yeah. us up to, to hook you guys up so we're going to give that away here at the end of the episode uh, so let me just check back here with Chris and see uh, I believe he is back on camera perfect there yeah. he is there you go man so Sorry. you can go ahead and finish your thought no worries man hey we, we got kids or I have a kid so I completely understand and Judd's gonna have a house full of them soon so <laughs> no, but do you know something I don't know <laughs> yeah. I can see into the future it's the moon man I, I can feel the moon <laughs> oh dear here we go but uh, no, man, it's managing expectations. In order to catch big fish, you got to fish for them. And in a lot of those empty casts, a lot of that study, a lot of all that just trial and error, the moment you do, that's going to validate everything that you've been doing. And then what you're going to start to do is the intangibles associated with that are you're going to start fishing with confidence. You're going to be mentally tough where, hey, a bite is a good day. Um, and then what you're going to find out is you're going to start reading the water better. You're going to under start or start understanding all those external factors. You're going to be a better fisherman because you're going to start using various techniques to try to fish certain parts of the water column. You may have discounted or you're looking for a certain profile sink or something along those lines to get to that. So I, again, it goes back to manage expectations, change your mindset. And if you do that this year, expect failure, know what's going to happen. But on the same token is if you do it, once you do it and once you catch that big fish and once it's in a net, you're going to say fuel meet fire because it's no turning back. You will never want to catch a dink trout again. You'll, you just won't. And then there's, there is absolutely zero feeling like it, man. So I, I know that's a very broad answer, but I guarantee you, man, you, 
and Judd, you've probably heard this. You catch most of the fish between the years, man. Yeah. And so you have mental toughness until you have confidence in your own ability and your ability to read the water and all that stuff. If you can change that one thing and start focusing on areas, maybe you would discount, right? Maybe something's different, but all of a sudden you're seeing some bait that's over there. Dude, give it some cast, give it some time, right? But you got to put forth the effort. And again, it goes back to Mike's uh, saying that I'll, I'll steal from him right now. And that is you'll go from catching them to then catching them with purpose. And that's the difference, man. When you're starting to be able to call your shots and catch them with purpose, that's where we want to get to. And that's what we're all striving to be. But it, you got to understand you're going to go through these other phases. And that's part of it is just shifting that mindset. So hopefully that's that's an incredible answer. You got me fired up. Absolutely. I'm going to go catch a 30 tomorrow, I'm Dude, telling you. I think everybody is fired <laughs> up on the chat, man. So we we have a chat, and a lot of people have been asking questions, and there's just no time to go back and answer all of them. Um, and not that you know we expect you to do that, but if you would like to, feel free to Absolutely. jump on the chat. And just at your earliest convenience and, and answer Dude. some of those questions because uh, they're they're above my pay grade. <laughs> so, so what, dude? What I do is on Speckle Truth. If anybody messages the board or comments, typically, let me phrase that. If anybody comments, that's not being total jerk. <laughs> uh, I won't answer that. But if you're being re- you know respectful and everything else, if you've messaged us or whatever. I will respond to you. I will take the time. I will lay in bed and I will respond to you because if you took the time to message us out of respect for you and your time, I'll message you back. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome, man. That's, that's great. Um, what a, what a resource, man. You, you know, and we're trying to smash this into an hour and 15 minutes or 13 minutes or however long we've been on the air, but dude, just crazy. a lifetime of fishing. And we really appreciate you being such a contribution to our Definitely. audience and, um, and man, just a contribution to the fishing community as a whole. And I think it's so funny. I was telling, um, someone the other day, I'm like, man, it's, it's so funny how, we're so connected because you know people that we know in Florida and then you and Judd's fit, you know, you lived in Louisiana from there and Judd's fish there. And so really it's a big, a big fishing community, but kind of a small tight knit community as well. So man, glad that, glad that we could share this experience with you. And, um, you know, Judd's put it out there to get to North Carolina and get you on a boat and just catch a dirty 30 up here for sure. <laughs> I, you know, man, I would love to. I would love to do that, man. Judd, I'll, I'll take you up on that, man. Yeah, um, for sure. We'll trade. I want to come on there and fish Texas with you too. Deal. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do it. Oh, awesome, man! I'll yeah. get on the plane tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> hey, quick. no, no, no. Wait a month, man. Okay, it's still okay, October. Okay. Gotta, gotta wait for those moons, man. You gotta, no. gotta map that out. So definitely. November through March, bro. That's the best time. Okay. That's awesome, man. We'll I, get something put together. I love Texas. I got a bunch of friends from college in Texas. Uh, I remember one time we drove down to Texas from uh, from Missouri, and they all got out of the car when we crossed the state line and kissed the ground. Like, they worship the state of Texas. So, all you Texans out there, I'm fans. I'm a huge fan. Man, I'm a huge fan of, of you, Chris. Thank you so much, man. Hopefully, we can get you back on the podcast Certainly. Um, and, and talk more in depth. And, and make and sure y'all go check out the Speckle Truth podcast oh, and, yeah. and, and his Instagram page and all yeah. and the blog and everything. It's, it's a, a ton of ep- information. That first episode is fire. I'm excited about the next episode that you have coming out. What, what frequency are you doing those at? What, how often are you putting those podcasts out? Well, every two weeks. So that tomorrow, what would say Tuesday. So Thursday, I have the podcast coming out with Kyle John Johnson. He is like 
one of the triad that make up speckled truth. And we talk about it going from a concept to a brown uh, concept to a brand. And then that's when we start hitting the heavy hitters, man. So we start hitting Captain Jay Watkins, Captain Mike McBride. I got Doc J. Wright. He's a three-time IGFA wow. uh, world record holder uh, for speckled trout and various line class for line class for fly with most recently a nine pound uh, fish on two pounds. So the That's guy awesome. is amazing. And so hopefully we can continue that, but we want to do it every two weeks and we want to have guys of that class and caliber and passion of understanding a fish kind of transcend and tell their story of how they got into it, kind of, you know, what they did because what I've, Mike Blackwood, he held the state record here in, in, in Texas for the longest time um, with a 13 pound fish. But this is a guy, man, that grew up in a very, in a different area, era, excuse me. And for him to tell his story that most of us probably have never heard, but there's so much value, man, in understanding where we came from and the pioneers, man. Jay Watkins said it best, dude. I'm waiting in footsteps. And that is so true. That's cool. And so think about it, dude. Every every place you're pulling, Judd, somebody's pulled before you. Right. Every place that I've, I've been in Louisiana, man, there's been a, a father and a son maybe there experiencing that same thing, dude. And so – that's the importance of them telling their story yeah. so we can understand it and then carry it forth. Yeah. Man, yeah. That's awesome, dude. Yeah, what, that's super What a cool. great episode. That just gave me – twice <laughs> I've had goosebumps tonight. So. I saw a tear you. trickle down his <laughs> cheek just now. Man, what a great episode, dude. People are fired up on this chat. They're like, oh, I'm going to go get a 30, dirty 30 tomorrow. So make sure you guys check out the Speckled Truth, the blog, the podcast, the, the citation program. And for anyone who catches a dirty 30 – in the next whatever a couple days i'm gonna give away one of these mugs because i'm excited but i think we should we should do it through christmas let's do it through christmas i can't give away okay. a mug every time no, no no the first the first person <laughs> first person in north in north carolina or texas because you oh no no no, no. Uh, that, I, i'm saying north carolina i want some north carolina okay. data on those books for you yeah and so yeah the first person to submit one to to the citation program and to eastern current so we can share it on our facebook page and all that sure. i'm gonna i'm gonna ship out one of these um, I can't. Uh, who, who we sent one to someone last week? And Cam Metcalf picture. got it. Yeah, Cam. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so he he was all fired up about his. So anyway, guys, uh, really appreciate that. We're actually gonna give away. Man, Chris, thank you. We'll you know if you want to hang right, out, guys. we can we can talk to you or or, or whatever. Or you can be done. Whatever you need to do. Uh, appreciate <laughs> it. Tell your family. Thank you so much. Now, so I think we're good. But I'll, <laughs> I'll hang out, man. Uh, Y'all can mute me or do whatever you got to do. But cool. I. I just want to say thanks to you guys afterwards, man. And so I'll, I'll go ahead and hang out. Y'all close the show. And then uh, actually, I want to set up a, a trip, man, with you, You're going to do it. I'm excited. I'm excited, <laughs> awesome, man. man. Well, we'll get back to you in just a second, man. Appreciate that. Yeah. Dude, what an episode, man. What an episode. It's so good. What e number was everybody that? Everybody's stoked. 16. Number 16. 16. So we're going to give away the, um, right here it is again. I'm going to bring it up, this this iStrike package. We appreciate uh, Ralph and Dave down at iStrike for hooking us up with this. We're going to send it to you. A couple different changes we mentioned earlier in the show. Uh, and Judd's going to pick. It's going to be from who shared uh, our broadcast. So Judd's going to randomly choose. Going to the page now to look at the shares. And when he chooses, you got to send us a message with your your name, where you need it sent to, all that kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah, send it send it to uh, to any of our Facebook pages, Eastern Current, Billy, or myself. Right. That's right. Any okay. of them. 
Any of them. However you get in touch with us. Trying to pull these shares up. Fifth. Nope. Wrong do, one. Do, 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 do. Keep them going there, I'm going to start beatboxing here in about 20 seconds. Oh, gosh. Then I sing it. Can you pull up the shares on there? Because I'm having trouble. Man, I cannot, unfortunately. Uh, that's there the we only go. Thing Got it. Oh, Got there it. we go. And Open the winner. Drum roll. That's a weak drum roll. I need a drum roll. It is not. It's not letting you? Opening. Maybe we'll pick one after the show then. We will maybe have to. Okay, we'll, we'll pick we'll pick it after the show. We'll pick it right because uh, we got so many so many things running on the internet here, so that might be bogging it down. Anyway, guys, really appreciate you. We're gonna be ba back next week. We're gonna have another uh, topic of speckled trout next week. We're gonna continue our three or four or five or however long we decide to talk about trout. It's it's fire here on on the coast of North Carolina. Go to our website etcurrent.com. Go uh, rate our podcast. Subscribe to our podcast. Um, do all those fun things. But really appreciate you staying with us and hanging out with us 20 minutes late tonight. Uh, hopefully you got as much value as we did. And we'll see you next week here on Eastern Current at 8 p.m. And we're going to drop the winner on Instagram right after I pull up the shares. I'm right sorry about now. that, guys. We'll do that and we'll share it on Facebook. On Facebook stories as well. And we'll oh, You'll know who wins. See you guys. Have a great night. Later.